You're listening to Hawk Talk with former Seahawks wide receiver Michael Bumpus. Play fake, going to roll right, dumps it off into the right flat to Michael Bumpus who bounces off of one tackler, gets inside the 40 down to the 35-yard line. Powered by Seahawks.com. Matt Pumpfakes looking to the goal line. He throws it into the end zone. Touchdown Seahawks! It's Michael Bumpus with a diving catch in the end zone. A 10-yard touchdown reception for Bumpus and the kid out of Washington State has found himself a place on this team. Now, here's your host, NASA Chobie. Welcome into another edition of Hawk Talk. This time we're looking at the Seahawks. Week 6 opponent, the Cincinnati Bengals, and the Seahawks coming off a bye week, which is always great because when you win before the bye week bump, you get to celebrate it for two weeks. You know what I'm saying? Feels good. Yeah. People get to go home, see the family, get away from the facility, recharge their batteries. Normally, you'd like this to happen, you know, week 8, 10, 11, 12, 13, it happened in week five, but we'll take it because that means a lot of Seahawks are getting healthy and getting ready to get back after it. So let's not waste any time. Let's get right into it. Cincinnati Bengals, what's on tap? What's on tap? Two and three Bengals, last place in the AFC North with losses to the Browns, Ravens, and Titans with wins over the Rams and just this last week over the Arizona Cardinals. And it's pretty, pretty, you know, up and down season for these guys. They've had really high expectations. 2021, they go to the Super Bowl. Joe Burrow, everyone comes on the scene out of nowhere. 2022, they come back, have another great season, go to the AFC Championship game, excuse me, lose to the eventual Super Bowl champs, the Kansas City Chiefs. So it's fair to say that this bar has been set very high for this group in Cincinnati. So having those blowout losses to the Browns and Titans is not what they're expecting. And after the Titans lost, Jamar Chase made it clear to everybody that he's open. You know what I'm saying? So, And let me get some context to that because he didn't just say that out of nowhere. They're asking about Joe Burrow's injury and they're asking, saying, hey, you know, do you feel like it's taking more time, you know, less time for you to get open and, and create and stuff because of his injury? And he's like, nah, dog, I'm always open, always will be. <laughs> so, you know, and Joe Burrow before that game went as much to say, like, he didn't call it a must win game, but he essentially they said they absolutely needed it for morale. They needed it for everything. And bump, they definitely played like it on Sunday. Yeah, they did, man. Um, they went down to the desert. They beat the Cardinals 34 to 20. And Jamar talking about always being open. He definitely was open this game. 15 receptions for 192 and three touchdowns. That 15 receptions, single game franchise record. For the Bengals. Now, after tweeting, after after the game, Chase tweeted a photo of 7 Eleven. You know what 7 Eleven is? That means I'm always open. 7 Eleven is always open. I've never seen 7 Eleven <laughs> that is not open. So I think that is perfect for Jamar Chase. And we saw kind of a bounce back day for Joe Burrow. We haven't had this type of moment yet from Joe this year. He did his thing 36 of 46, 317, and three touchdowns with one interception. First time this year, he's gone over 300 passing yards and three touchdowns. And the Cardinals made things interesting at times, man. They scored 14 unnatural points. They took the lead in the second, 14 to 10. Then Dobbs threw a pick, pick six right before halftime. The Bengals never trailed again. Jamar Chase had a big second half, man. I liked watching this film and seeing what they're doing. The Bengals dominated time of possession, 38 minutes to 25, and won the turnover battle. They're now two and three. They are the most dangerous two and three team in the NFL right now because we know what they're capable of. Yeah, Bump, and that brings me right into the head-to-head because you look at these numbers, and we'll start with the Bengals offensively. They're 31st in the NFL in total offense, only averaging 264 yards a game. They're 30, 
<laughs> right? 31st in the NFL <laughs> in rushing. That might be true. Who knows? 74 yards a game. 25th in pass offense, which is probably the biggest lie. And then yeah. they're tw- tied for 27th at 16.6 points per game. So, Bob, you look at that right there. And when you see a Jamar Chase, when you see a Joe Burrow, when you see a T. Higgins, when you see a Joe Mixon, when you see the guys that they have on offense and what they've done the last two years, I look at those li- – those, <laughs> I almost said those lies. I look at those stats, <laughs> and you are correct. They are telling me lies because they're so explosive and dangerous. I, you can throw all those offensive numbers out the window because I think this offense is a really good team. Yeah, last week was more indicative of who they really are, man. You mentioned the personnel. It's crazy over there. So if we weren't the the football enthusiasts that we were and we just looked on paper, we'd be like, oh, yeah, the Hawks should get it done. They still can get it done, especially you got the 19th-ranked offense. We're talking about the Hawks now. 17th when it comes to rushing, 16th when it comes to passing, but they put up points. Hawks averaging 27 points per game. That is sixth in the NFL. Now, the defensive side is kind of where it evens out a little bit, I, I guess. The, the Hawks are 26th, excuse me, 24th overall. The Bengals 21st. The Hawks are 6th against the run. The Bengals are 31st against the run. Come on, Kim Walker. Come on, Charbonnet. The Hawks are 30th against the pass. The Bengals are 10th. And then at points allowed, the Hawks are 19th and the Bengals are 20th. Right? You look at the differences in the rankings in some of these categories, but you look at the personnel. I think once you get to a battle like this and you realize the injuries that the um, – the Bengals have dealt with and the injuries that the Hawks have dealt with too, because they've been banged up all across the board. You take it for what it is, but you understand that these numbers mean something, but not everything because of the personnel that we're going to see on Sunday. Yeah. Cause we're finally getting to a point in the season where there is a little bit of a sample size, right? If you're thinking in baseball terms, a lot of people are like, Hey, I'm not going to look at any of the stats or the numbers until we get to Memorial day. So there's enough games has enough data. Well, in the NFL, since we all messed up because we don't have clean quarters anymore because there's 17 right. games, we're a quarter way through the season. So we've seen enough to at least get a snapshot of a team. But to your point, we learned from the Bengals that that is not the accurate picture. So we'll see, man. They have a good turnover differential with the Seahawks up there. They don't turn the ball over a ton. They have more than the Seahawks have, but it's it's going to be interesting. So they definitely pose a great matchup. And speaking of matchups against the Bengals, let's know the history. No. Your history. Bengals lead the all-time series, or excuse me, <laughs> typo. The all-time series is tied at 10-10. They're 1-0 in the postseason. Ron Bergie, my own script there, Bump. <laughs> <laughs> last season, though, last time they met, the Seahawks won in 2019. It was a season opener at Lumen Field. They took the Bengals down 21-20. to And if you looked at the box score in that game, it looked like the Bengals were in a route. I mean, they dominated time of possession, 35-50 to 24-10, outgained Seattle, 429 to 232, had more first downs, 22 to 12. But the main difference with turnovers that day, Bengals lost three fumbles. That was the difference in the game. Russell was average that day, 14 to 20, 195, two touchdowns. Chris Carson had 46 yards and two touchdowns as well. But the thing that really stood out about that game was John Ross, man. Former UW legend and great receiver John Ross. I thought after yeah. he ran that 4-2 bump, he was going to be destined for absolute greatness in the NFL. Could never stay healthy. And that was the best game he ever played in a Bengals uniform in the NFL by far. Seven receptions, 158, two touchdowns. Had a big 55-yard touchdown at the end of the half over Tedrick Thompson. And we were kind of figuring out what is going on here. But Seahawks obviously come out in the second half, do what they got to do. Tyler Lockett only had one catch, but it was for 44-yard touchdown. Put the Seahawks up 21-14, and that was it. And the Seahawks would hold on after forcing the Bengals out on the last two drives. 
And bump, these teams don't play often, every about every four years. And they've only played five times since 2000. You know, before that, when the Hawks were in the AFC, they played 12, it looks like every year, 12 years in a row from 84 to 95. So I'm hoping to see a little bit better performance, but I don't need to get, you know, cocky or arrogant about any of this bump wins. That's all that matters. I'll start, I'll, I'll start playing the seed now because before the Niners, Cowboys, Niners, Eagle stretch, which is before that is the Rams right before that, the Seahawks need to stack wins. They need yes, to sir. get all these wins, and if you, but I will say this one one outlier: if you are going to drop a game, it better be in the AFC because it's going to be tough. I know at the beginning of the year everyone talked about how loaded the AFC was, but the NFC is going to be tough. So anytime you play an NFC team, you got to show up, and the Seahawks need to stack some wins. But I can't get ahead of myself, bump. We got to check around, see what's going on in the NFC West. What's the word? And the Seahawks are the NFC West champs again. What's the word in the West on Hawk Talk? All right, let's take a look around the division. The Niners sitting pretty at 5 0. Seahawks right behind them, 3 1. The Rams at 2 3, a sneaky 2 3 team. And then the Cardinals at 1 4. But you can't really sleep on either, man. They show glimpses of greatness every now and then, but you know the struggles there. But let's focus. The Cowboys were at the Niners. And. Growing up, this was a game that you wanted to watch. I remember the battles that these guys had, and nothing changed. It's still anticipated. Sunday night football, you want to see what's going down. And what went down was that the Niners came out and did their thing. George Kittle finally got things going. He had three touchdowns on the day, man. But uh, they, he started with two, went up 14-0, and the Niners went up 21-7 to at half. Then the Cowboys kick a field goal on the opening drive. That's not going to be enough. The Niners said, look, we're going to score 21 unanswered on their way to a 42-10 route. And it didn't feel that close. Brock Purdy Mm. was one of the questions going into this season. Easy for real. Is it the offense? Can he do it again? And I say it's all the above. He is for real. It is the offense. And he's doing it again. He was 17-24, 252, and four touchdowns. No interceptions. He looks in complete control whenever I see this young man on the football field. I hate that he is in our division. George Kittle, like I said, had three touchdowns. He had three for 67. Uh, career high on touchdowns. Fred Warner is a guy. We always talk Dog. about these great defensive players like the Bosa's. We got the Wide Hutchinson. I get all of that, but I think Fred Warner needs more respect on his name. There was a, a sequence where he got a sack and then the next possession forced a fumble and he is everywhere. Mike Tomlin said he was in the same stadium of Fred with Fred Warner and he's one of the few players we can feel his presence on the field. Fred Warner is nothing to play with, man. He finished with eight Eight tackles, one sack, one TFL, one pass defending, one QB hit, one interception. He did just about everything. On the other side, Dak Prescott, I'm telling you, Naz, I'm worried about your boy. Yeah, could, that was bad. It looking like it could be the end of the row for my man. He finished 14-24, 153, one touchdown, three interceptions, running the rock. Tony Pollard had 29 yards on eight carries. And um, I know they're in our division. I know they are our rivals. Yeah. But – Give respect, respect to do. The Niners are good, man. It's going to take a complete team effort to beat these guys. The Cowboys were not able to do that. No question. There was a lot that came from that game. First of all, I don't love doing this, but it is what it is. We are talking about the 49ers. I mean, the weapons everywhere you look. First of all, Brock Purdy, I, I've i gone back and forth with Brock, right? I've defended him when everyone was going after him from being Mr. Irrelevant because I think that's ridiculous. I think they should get rid of that because you still got drafted in the NFL. So, like, uh-huh. anyway, 
But then I'm like, well, he plays in this amazing team. How much is he really doing? So I've been waiting for that bad game. I've been waiting for the multiple interceptions. I've been waiting for the moment to get too big for him. And he hasn't necessarily had to go win a game for them. But he's also not, they're not winning in spite of him. Every time we see him throw the ball, he's making throws. He's making plays. He's not game managing. So we'll see. I'm still waiting for the other shoe to drop, but I don't think he's going to drop because I think he's just a good football player. And then you talk about George Kittle. Three touchdowns, three receptions. He's a boss. And then Fred Warner, last thing I'll say about these guys, he he reminds me of Bobby Wagner in the sense of when Bobby Wagner started going and he was getting MVP votes and people were like, that guy is different. Fred Warner, I watched one play bump. He gets into his drop, reads Dak Prescott, takes away his first option, takes away another option, and then is up getting a sack at the line of scrimmage. That is not – you're not supposed to be able to do that. And he is – Oh, man. So the Seahawks have their work cut out for him. I think we're still going to get him, though. We'll see. We'll see. You already know. But And and the Cowboys Cowboys are what they are, man. I I think they they were – they're a good football team, but they they disappoint everybody. The expectations – about this time. Stop believing. Stop believing. <laughs> I, I, I mean, I, I would say I pity them, but they'll be like, oh, we got six rings. We got six rings. Okay, Brad. Time has moved on since 95, and it's the same thing every year. <laughs> I don't know, man. We'll, we'll wait and see. I don't, I don't want to eat my words later in the year, but Cowboy fans, it is what it is. You guys are always up there for disappointment, man. So <laughs> <laughs> moving on in the division, though, Eagles and Rams. I'll be quick with this one. The Rams are still good. I think they're a better football team than their record says. Obviously, they beat the Seahawks in week one. And they've gone toe-to-toe with the Eagles and the 49ers and, and good teams, including the Bengals. They just can't pull it off. You know what I'm saying? I just let me back up, Bump. What do you feel about – I got distracted, but what do you feel about the the brotherly shove or whatever they want to call it? Are you, <laughs> thumbs up or thumbs down? I don't care. Don't. Here's what I say. Don't allow them to get to, to third and one, to third and short. I mean, it's a football play to me. I understand. I've heard people say it's unsafe or it's an unfair advantage. Everybody can do it. Philly just does it better than everybody else, in my opinion. I don't know. What What are your thoughts on it? I feel like you're on the other side. Well, I've gone back and forth because Moyers talked about this. And, like, there's certain things, like, on a field goal, certain stuff where you can't push another defensive player and this and that. But for me, honestly, you just got to stop him because I'm pretty sure the Giants tried that against the Seahawks. And how did that turn out? Right. It, I mean, it also helps maybe get, get you a quarterback that power clings like 500 pounds or squats like 700 <laughs> pounds. Get you the best center in the game in Jason Kelsey. Like, hey, hey so you're saying you're saying you got to start drafting for this one play now. <laughs> yeah, well, if, you, if, if you're so mad about it, go figure it out, because I don't know. I, I just I just thought about it. Sorry, I got off on that tangent. But like because you can't stop him. Here's the other thing. Don't let him get in third and one because it's a wrap. Exactly. It's a wrap. You know, you can't stop it. And the Rams have the best player, one of the best defensive players of this generation, maybe ever, in Aaron Donald. He was on the field. Didn't stop it. Didn't stop it. Anyway, it was a close game before that. Puka Nakua got in the end zone. The Rams were up 14-10. Then the brotherly shove happens after a long drive right before the half. Ram or Eagles go up 17-14. That's essentially all she wrote for, for that. They kind of took control of things in the second half. Jalen Hurts threw for 300 yards, one touchdown, one pick. And... The takeaway for me there is the Rams are good. They're just not quite there, but you better show up and play your game against them because they have enough weapons. And Puka still had a great game, even though Cooper Cup, the pride of Eastern Washington, came back in that game. But the Eagles remain undefeated. Bump, but let's get back into this matchup that we care about. Man up. Hey, who man's is this? Oh, man's is this? Man up, 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 man up,
Man Up on Hawk Talk. All right, we got to start with Mr. Cool Joel Burrow. He's going to go up against the Seahawks defense. When you talk about a start to a career, his has been uh, interesting, right? He blow out, he blows out his knee in 2020. Uh, he won comeback play of the year in 2021. He led the Bengals to the Super Bowl. He completed 70% of his passes for 4,611 yards and 20, excuse me, 34 touchdowns. And last year, he goes, look, I'm going to run that back. He uh, led the Bengals to the AFC title before losing a heartbreaker to the Chiefs. A great game. In 2022, he completed 68% of his passes for 4,400 yards, 35 touchdowns, and 12 interceptions. Also, rushed for 257 on the ground with five touchdowns. It was getting some MVP voting. Finished number four in that race there. Now, we all know how, how, good, how good this guy can be. Um, but he came into this injury, excuse me, this season with a calf injury. I remember seeing the tape. He's rolling out to his right, and I see him just pull up. The first thing I thought was Achilles for some reason, because I feel like that's been going around a lot more. And I was um I was happy to hear it was just his calf. Now, selfishly as a Seahawks fan, I wish he was still banged up some right. because I'm watching he's looking good, but you never wish ill on anybody, man. Uh, so he hasn't missed a start this season. I thought he was gonna sit for a couple games. He said, nah, put me in the game, coach. I'm ready to play. Now, every week, he's gotten better and better. Cleveland, he completes 45% of his passes, 82 yards. Baltimore, 65% of his passes, 222 yards. The Rams, 53% of his passes, 259. Tennessee, 66 completion, 165. And then Arizona, he goes, all right, guys, I'm good. I'm ready to go. 36 to 46, 78% completion rate, 317 yards, and three touchdowns. So far this year, he's completing 62% of his passes, a little over 1,000 yards, five touchdowns, three interceptions, sacked 11 times. First game this year was last week where he completed, or excuse me, threw for over 300 yards. And um, he looks good. He looks good. The Hawks are coming off a game where you were able to contain Daniel Jones. I don't know how much that's saying, but you still right. got to go out there and do it. They sacked the quarterback 11 times. Uh, 10 times, excuse me, and then, you know, our guy Devin Witherspoon gets credited for a sack on a double pass. Good for you. No one's going to remember that. He gets a stat. And um, I'm looking to see how they are going to respond this week because you have an offensive line that struggles a little bit with the Cincinnati Bengals, um, but we know who's the play call over there. We know who the receivers are. If you can contain Joe Burrow and not allow him to go off, I really like the Hawks' chances this game. Yeah, he found something against the Cardinals. You know, it was desperation for them, and they played a lot better. I will say the calf is something that's going to linger. He's looking better, of course. He might be feeling almost 100%. But, bump, that's one unnecessary step. That's one step up in the pocket. It's one explosive movement, and you could be right back to square one. So I think the Seahawks still need to get after him, but he's definitely – we know how good he is, man. He he is legit. I like your point. You got to keep, keep things in front, man. You can't have explosive plays. I'm not going to diminish what the Hawks did against – the Giants, because there are still people who get paid to play the game. I don't care if right. they're the worst offense in the league. Three points, 11 sacks. You still got to do it, and the Seahawks performed. This will be a lot tougher task, so I'm, I'm excited to see what they can do because, you know, they've climbed up to 24th in overall defense, 367, hoping they can continue to build on that. Now flipping over to our quarterback, Geno Smith, and he kind of had a quiet performance against the Giants, and he didn't play bad by any means. He just didn't put up the numbers that we've been accustomed to seeing the last two years. 13 of 20 for 110 yards and one touchdown. Keep in mind, he did have to leave the game because he did tweak his knee. Drew Locke comes in, leads the touchdown drive, and Geno got his way back into the game. So 
because of that and because of the bye week, he kind of fell in a lot of the rankings that he was been in easily in the top 10 for this year. So he fell to 13th in completion percentage, 29th in yards, two, uh, 21st in yards per game, 10th in QB rating, and 10th in QBR. So a lot of that is because he's literally played one less game than everyone and didn't have you know gangbuster stats against the Giants. But we know what he can do. We know his poise. He's going to be ready to go. And I'm, I'm excited to see what he does in this game. I'm hoping we'll get into later that he hands the ball off a lot just because of the matchup here. But he's in a place where he's going to continue to rewrite the Seahawks record book. He's 107 completions away, passing John Kitna for sixth place on that completions list. And he's two touchdowns away from passing Rick Meyer, sixth place on Seattle's all-time passing touchdown list at 42. So I want to see uh, Geno ball out. I'm excited to see him back out there. And, you know, despite his stat line against the Giants. We know he's consistent. He takes care of the ball. He doesn't get sacked a lot. So looking to see what Gino can do against this Bengals defense, who is just okay. Yeah. And um, I expect Gino to have a Gino type of day. And the Gino type of day to me is efficient, taking care of the football, moving it down the field, getting it to your playmakers. Next matchup, we got Jamar Chase against the Seahawks back seven. In 2019, he was teamed up with Joe Burrow, LSU, um, some of the best cinematography I've ever seen that year. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Joe Burrow. I mean, it, it got me hyped up. I'm watching this young man ball out, and they had a great connection, man. Jamar Chase received for 1,700 yards and 20 touchdowns. Since he's been in the league, he's got two 1,000-yard seasons, back-to-back years, and at least nine receiving touchdowns. This is – um. He came off to a slow start as well, but typically it's because you're directly connected to your quarterback as a receiver. And there is a moment where you, you talked about it earlier. They're talking to Jamar Chase at his locker room and asking questions about the production. And Jamar very confidently said, look, I'm always open. And then the next play, he shows everybody he's always open. Next game, and he goes 15 receptions for 192 and three touchdowns. Chase is second in the league in targets. He has 60 targets and 44 receptions so far this year, 44 catches. 476 yards and three touchdowns. I'm looking to see what this matchup looks like against Devin Witherspoon. Yeah, buddy. Two, one guy's already established in Jamar Chase. Mm-hmm. The other guy just got NFC Defensive Player of the Week. He's making plays. He's looking explosive. Can you do it against one of the best in the league? And I think he's going to be up for the challenge last week or the last time they played Jamar, excuse me, Devin Witherspoon at seven tackles, two sacks, two TFLs, one pass defended, three QB hits in that beautiful 97-yard touchdown, second longest in franchise history. I believe Bobby Wagner has the longest with a 98-yard yep. pick six. Uh, so I'm, I'm looking at this matchup, Nass, and I'm saying this is the future of the NFL. This could be the future of the NFL. We, I remember seeing Dion and Jerry Rice go at it towards the end of their careers and, and really sitting there and watching and enjoying what I'm seeing. I'm not saying this is going to be that, but we're just looking at the trajectory of these two young men. It could be something like that when it's all said and done. Uh, and one-on-one matchups is something that a the average NFL fan can watch more closely on the outside. They don't really look at the box and the D tackles and, and the offensive linemen, but you get the ball outside, you can really break down this matchup with Jamar and Devin Witherspoon. It'll be fun, man. And who knows where Devin Witherspoon is going to line up, too. He might be in the nickel. Right. Where do you move Jamar at? Then you have Reek Woolen. You have all these different options, all these different people that cover it. So it's going to be really fun to watch. And with T. Higgins coming back and, and seeing how they look as an offense. But with Reek and Spoon and 
you know, I'm not sure if Kobe's going to be back. I'm not sure if Artie Burns is going to be back. But Michael Jackson's been playing good football, right? Trey Brown, I believe, is trying to make his way back. So it'll be interesting. And here's the thing for me, Bob. Keep him in front. Mm-hmm. Keep him in front of you. I mean, p- period, point blank. He's going to get receptions. He's going to get the ball, but he cannot go off. He can't go 192, 15 receptions. Can't happen <laughs> because that's that's how they yeah. want to play football. That's how they want to win. Staying on offense for the Bengals, Joe Mixon taking on this front seven. Mixon with healthy, you know, he's put up some pretty good numbers throughout a seven-year career. He's had three 1,000-yard seasons. During that Super Bowl season of 2021, Mixon had career highs in rushing yards, 1,205, and rushing touchdowns with 13. Last year, his numbers were slightly down, going down to 814 yards rushing on 210 carries and seven touchdowns. This season, the Bengals, though, bump, have not been able to figure it out on the ground. We're one of the worst teams in the NFL, ranking at 31st, averaging 74.6 yards a game. Mixon's high of 81 yards last week against the Cardinals was his season high, and he did that on 25 carries. So you look at his season stats, 84 carries, 328, one tud, 13 receptions for 80 yards. And what they're not doing well, what the Seahawks do well. Their run defense is one of the best in the league, six in the Six rank six in run defense when it comes to yards per game, 87 and a half. And they rank number one when it comes to yards per carry at 3.2. Now, there's about three or four other teams that are tied for 3.2 and a couple at 3.3, 3.4, whatever. All you need to know is they're among the league's best at stopping the run per carry. Now, the Seahawks also haven't allowed a player to run for more than 68 yards. So I'm taking advantage Seahawks, but bump, that's why you got to play the game. You still got to be sound. You still got to do what you're doing. It's week in, week out. You got to pay rent every single week. And I have faith that the Seahawks defense has gotten a lot of confidence, especially stopping the run because Jay Reed's balling out this year, doing what he's got to do, Draymond Jones, that D-line, the linebackers, Brooks and Wagner. So I like this matchup for the Seahawks. I like it too. So let's go from their running back to our running backs. We got two guys over there, man. We got Ken Walker and Zach Charbonnet. They're going to go up against the Bengals' front seven. Ken Walker had a solid game against New York, 79 yards on 17 carries and one touchdown. Would have been a lot more if there wasn't a long touchdown taken back. Since the beginning of last season, Ken Walker ranked second in the NFL with five games with at least two rushing touchdowns. Only Jamal Williams has more. He has six. He's taken over the starting role versus the Arizona Cardinals last season. I was in uh, October. Walker has posted the fourth most rushing yards in franchise history in the players' first 15 starts only. Sean Alexander, who we've been interviewed before, Kurt Warner, and Ricky Waters, who we also interviewed, have more. Charbonnet is looking good with the little bit of carries that he's getting, and I kind of like that they're kind of sprinkling him in and not taking too many carries away from Ken Walker. He had five carries for 31 yards and a long of 15 against the New York Giants. Probably has the most violent run of the year so far in the NFL, that run against the Panthers, where he just laid out a DB right at the goal line. So disrespectful. Keep up the good work. (laughs) So far this year, Walker has 64 carries, 283 yards, and five touchdowns. He got Charbonnet with 21 carries for 104. Uh, the Bengals, they struggle to run the ball, and they struggle to stop it. Perfect recipe for what the Hawks want to do. They're 31st, 31st in run defense, allowing 154 yards per game. They are 30th in rush yards per carry, allowing 50, excuse me, 5.3 yards. I like the matchup, man. If there's an advantage Seahawks, it has to be – defending the run and getting the run going on the outside. I'd say it's a bit more even. I still think yeah. we have a couple more playmakers when we sprinkle in the tight ends as well, but I like the matchup. Yeah. Run the ball, run the ball and stop the run. It sounds super simple, but 
it's not often that you see two polar opposites in terms of where the Seahawks were at stopping the run and them running the ball and vice versa. So I'm definitely with that. Let's get a lot more carries. And I want to see, I just, man, I love seeing both of them run the ball. Ken is just a different style where he's in and out of breaks, foot down, home run hitter every time. And Zach looks like he's angry because you said something behind his back and you didn't invite him to a barbecue or something because he runs angry and he hurts people. And I love watching Charbonnet run the football. So sign me up for that. And the last matchup I'm going to look at, Trey Hendrickson against the Seahawks O-line, which, you know, the Seahawks have been banged up. They finished last game with five people playing in different positions than we started the year with. So they've been banged up. And on the Bengals side, Trey Henderson's had himself quite a start to the season. His six sacks lead the Bengals this year and second most in the NFL. He's had big games against the NFC West as well, combined for 4.5 sacks in two games against the Cardinals and Rams. And Henderson's in his seventh season. He's put together a couple really good years, 13 and a half sacks in 2020 for the Saints and 14 sacks in the Super Bowl season for the Bengals. Got his first Pro Bowl nod. Last year he was also a Pro Bowler, even though he only had eight sacks. And this year he's obviously well on his way to another Pro Bowl season. 17 tackles, six sacks, one forced fumble, two passes defended. And whoever lines up a tackle, you know, obviously you're hoping Charles Cross can line up at left tackle for the Hawks. Doesn't look like Abe Lucas is going to make it this week. Hopefully he'll be back the following week. So whether it's Curran or Stone or whoever's out there, as long as you know where Henderson's at, he's a good player, and he's another guy you're going to want to watch for that Seahawks offensive line. Yeah, he's a, he's got a motor. He's a baller. He can get it done. But I think the, the Hawks have shown that whoever plays is going to be serviceable. I don't remember watching the game at all and say, what is so-and-so doing in there? He's killing the team. Nah, are guys going to lose battles at times? Of course. This is the National Football League. They got ballers, too. But uh, for what's been happening with that offensive line, they've been pretty solid. They're going to have their hands full again this week. They've only allowed seven sacks bump this year, the Seahawks offensive line, with all those injuries. That's the fourth best in the National Football League. Only the Bucks, Chiefs, and Dolphins have allowed fewer sacks. So that's the thing to hang your hat on. Shout out to Andy Dickerson doing his thing up front with these boys. But now let's tell you how we get the game one path to victory. At the 45, waits for the snap. Michael Dixon puts it down. That kick is away. And that kick is good! The Seahawks win! It's good! It's a path to victory on Hawk Talk. Do not let the combo of Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase build off what they got going last week, man. Burrow still recovering from that calf injury. Seems like he's closer to 100%. But I have a feeling he's still not as mobile as you know you normally would be. So you got to get after him. And we know how talented Jamar Chase is. I've said it before. Keep him in front. No big plays. Can't have any 65-yard touchdowns or anything like that. He'll find a way to get some yards. He just can't go off. Yeah, he'll be everywhere. They move him inside, outside. They'll motion him. They understand they have to give him the ball. So, yep, great point there. And then don't allow the Bengals to do something they haven't done all year, which has looked like a really good run team. We know the potential is there because Joe Mixon is a good running back. But let's let's not have them start getting it going this week. And offensively, control the clock and run the ball. The Bengals are allowing 154 yards a game on the ground. Make them prove it. You got two young running backs back there. Mix it up. We've seen formations with two tight ends in the backfield as lead blockers. Keep that up. The creativity in the run game has been there. Keep that going. And uh, protect your boy Gino. You just mentioned offensive line has done a great job this season protecting him. Keep the good times rolling. Yeah, man. And, and with that said, let's get the tight ends involved. I feel like some of the best things the Seahawks do is in those three tight end sets with Fant, Disley, 
and Parkinson. So keep them getting involved. And I want to see a big game from Tyler Lockett, man. I feel like when he's quiet for this long and quiet, I mean, he's still making good plays, but I feel like he's ready to have a breakout game. So watch out for Lockett. I think it's his turn. And get a victory on the road, man. This team has been road warriors. The Hawks were won 15 of their last 18 early kickoffs since 2018. So find a way to go one and um stack wins, as I said earlier in the program. This will be a huge win to go to four and one. Get a couple more wins. You got the Browns coming into town, all that. So you want you want to stack wins before things get tough towards the end of the season. Remind us, guys, you can hear us anywhere. Seahawks.com, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SiriusXM, or any, anywhere you get your podcasts. Also, if you're listening on Apple, don't forget to rate us five stars. We appreciate the love. He's Michael Bumpus. I'm Nasa Chobi. This has been another edition of Hawk Talk, getting you ready for the Seahawks taking on the Cincinnati Bengals at 10 a.m. This Sunday, we are live with the pregame show at 7 a.m. Until next time, hopefully we'll talk to you on Monday talking about a Seahawks win.